the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When we come to the judge found in chapter 3 of Judges, Ehud, it's told that he has a left-handed judge. Now, what is significant about God saying he's left-handed? We'll talk about that next here on Way of Grace. left-handed judge. This is fascinating, isn't it? He's also a left-handed warrior, a gift to the blind, and a hidden sword is what we're looking at today. Welcome to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan from Grace Bible Church in Hayward. It's a look at Ehud, the judge, found here in Judges chapter 3, verses 12 through 30. Here's Pastor Jessica Stan with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Chapter 3, verse 14, just mark it. So the children of Israel were slaves of Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. All right. To be somebody's slave unwillingly for one year is a problem. It's a real challenge to be a slave for them eight years. And then God delivers you. You get a pardon. You mess up and now you're doing 18 years. This must be discouraging for the people of God. Well, in a way it is, and in a way it's not. And I want to press this home once again. The only reason they are in bondage this long is because they have not yet called upon the name of the Lord. They would have never been there that long had they not called. Are you guys hearing me? Sometimes it's clear that we are not released because we don't want to be. It's important for you to know that. That's point number two in our outline. And then sub point three. And this makes sense. Uh, There is no other option when your enemies are stronger than you. (laughs) And you're looking raggedy every day. Just work with me for a moment, folks. You're a child of God. You're supposed to be the head, not the tail. You're supposed to walk in freedom, liberty, power, and advancement in your walk. And you are not experiencing any of that psychologically, spiritually, or socially. You know that you are trapped. You know that you're walking in impediments. You know that you're not walking in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. Anybody been there? You know what I'm talking about. And 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 you, you don't know what to do. What you are to do is to call upon the name of the Lord. Look at verse 15. There it is. Watch how verse 15 just kind of gives us magically the answer. I'm in verse 15. But when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord... The Lord raised them up a deliverer. Do you see that? Now, what I want you to get with that word is this word. It's a process. Anybody keeping up with me, please understand that. Your deliverance doesn't always come in a day, okay? Your, your, your troubles are not the gourd of Jonah raising up in one day, and your troubles ain't going away in one day. Sometimes it's a real process. What you do need to know, however, is if you can... 
If you can sense the indicators that tell you that God's on his way, you can wait on him to deliver you. See, if I wanted to, I could extrapolate a long time about what's going on in the text. Let's just do a little parenthetical, just a moment. Let's suppose Israel's in bondage to Eglon, king of Moab, Ammon and the Amalekites, which are all symbols of the flesh. You guys know that Moab and Ammon were the incestuous relationship of Lot and his two daughters. Y'all know that, right? This is carnality in a very grotesque way in which you and I are living presently today. You also know that the Amalekites are the chief enemy of God, according to Exodus 17. The Lord shall have war with Malachite, with the Amalekites forever. And it was Samuel who had to hack up Agag, who was an Amalekite, because King Saul wouldn't get rid of him. He's a type of our flesh. And we love our flesh. We love our flesh. And so if Samuel, who was a type of Christ, didn't come along and do a work of mortification and liberate us from him, we'd be in bondage to the Amalekites continually. Am I making some sense? This is the same line that rose up again in the days of Esther. Because who was it? It was Haman who wanted to destroy the children of Israel. And he was related to Agag, who is an Amalekite. See, that old carnal thing loves to rise up if he can and take over your life, redefine you and bring you into captivity. And so this is what we are dealing with here in our text. And you and I need to be smart about it. When the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up a deliverer. What that meant was God now started gathering all of the necessary pieces. He had, to, he had to actually begin to stir up a few of the uh, lethargic people of God, and they actually got a sense that they were wrong, and they had started calling on God. So you had a small group of believers who started a fire. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about a prayer service. I'm talking about a real fire, because we see everybody cold. Everybody walking in darkness, everybody walking in bondage, and we're all calling them the people of God. Well, somebody got to start a fire. Somebody got to start a fire. Somebody's got to believe God will hear their prayers. Someone got to believe that God will hear the prayers of one man, one woman to start a turnaround. And so what you got were embers of believers warming up to the prospect that God would deliver them. Why? Because they believe God's word in the time of trouble. Call upon me. I will deliver you and you will glorify me. A handful of people believe that. And see, it don't take but a handful of people to turn everything around. This is why elders said it this morning. Your mama prayed for you. Your grandmama prayed for you. Your great grandmama prayed. And they're still praying. Hallelujah. My mama praying right now. And so this is how God works. He works with a few in order to deliver the many. And so Ehud becomes the individual who emerges as God's plan. And so we want to walk through that for a few minutes. Much to say, but I just want to walk through it for a few minutes under point number two, a strange and dangerous savior. You got that? A strange and dangerous Savior. That's my Lord Jesus Christ. He's strange and he's dangerous. See, he came unto the world and the world knew him not, right? He came unto his own and his own received him not. 
Jesus was a stranger to his people and he was a byword and a laughingstock to the rest of the world. People really didn't know Jesus well at all. He didn't fit the bill in many ways. And so it is with our brother Ehud. He's a secret mystery to God. First thing that the text tells us, and it's very important for us to get it in verse 15, is that God raised up a deliverer, Ehud, the son of Gera. He is a Benjamite. You guys got that? I'm going to lift him up for a moment. A man left-handed, and by him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. God is wise. God is wise because what he's doing here is he's raising up a man that does not fit the bill of your typical overt warrior type. In fact, he actually looks like a loser. Okay, I just want you to know this. He looks like a loser. Nobody would vote for him, okay? But God. So God knows how to take the foolish things of the world to confound the mighty. He knows how to take these things that are incongruent in their imagery and bust the bubble of all of us that got our own standards of what a leader should look like and be like and do. God knows how to do that. And he does it all the time. And that's what he's doing here. See, what, what you don't know is in the Middle Eastern culture, and a lot of our Asian brothers will be able to bear record with this, even our Middle Eastern brothers. If you were left-handed, you were halfway in the hole anyway. As a left, left-handed person, you didn't have favor with the gods, plural, and society looked upon you fairly ill as well. These are the, these are the uh, superstitions of culture. Did y'all hear what I said? The superstitions of culture. Oh, he's left-handed. Oh, we don't want to have anything to do with it. Oh, or make them a diminished participant in the family. And frequently, listen to me, frequently, some people in these cultures would go so far as to tie down the left hand. So that your right hand would be the one you have to now learn how to work with. Because there is a exaggerated idea that the right hand is the right hand of favor all the time. Am I making some sense? Now, I do want you to get that. The Bible's clear about the right hand. But he's not talking about your physical right hand. <laughs> like your physical right hand don't have any might at all. Have you figured that out? How many pull-ups can you do? You ain't saving nobody with your physical right hand, okay? It's a metaphor for the power and dominion of God. And whenever you hear about the right hand, you hear about the right hand of his authority or the right hand of his favor or the right hand of his dominion. Jesus is seated at the what? Right hand of God. Where are we seated? At the right hand of God. It is an obvious, visible position of favor and power. But what that means is everybody else can see you there, too. It means that all devils can see you there. When you and I take a visible stand for Christ, the enemy can come at you. And God doesn't mind that because he doesn't mind public warfare. But every now and then, God knows how to do what we call guerrilla warfare. Because that's what's getting ready to go down now. It's going to get uglier when we get down to some of the other judges. This one here is clean. It's going to get uglier. Right here, he says he's a left-handed man. And literally in the Hebrew, what that means is his right hand was withered. His right hand was restrained. This tells you something about the character of Ehud. Are you ready? As a believer, are you ready? He wouldn't let anything hinder him, particularly traditions or assumptions or expectations, even though he knew everybody believed that a right-handed person has more favor. He wouldn't let that stop him. 
By the way, your pastor's left-handed too. And it ain't never stopped me. There's some wisdom in the left hand. Talk to him, coach, because you know how we do, right? There's some wisdom in the left hand. Most people don't know how to handle the left hand. Do you understand what I'm saying? By the time you catch up with a left hand person, they're gone. (laughs) Gone. All right, so the left hand appears to be a form of weakness. It appears to be uh, an anomaly. It seems to operate incongruently to the system. And you need that as an advantage in a warfare. Watch this now, where you got to get close up on your enemy. All right, some more teaching, some more teaching. Got to get this, more teaching. So the text tells us, and by him, the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, king of Moab. Now, this is a problem, saints. What in the world are the people of God doing giving gifts to the pagans? What in the world are the people of God doing giving gifts, presents, money, tribute? It's an indication of them being slaves. What in the world are the people of God doing giving money to pagan kings? It's because they're slaves to them, and now they have to publicly act out being a slave by paying taxes, paying tribute in the land that God gave to them. In their own house, they're paying taxes to a king that hates God. Am I making some sense? In their own domain, they are showing themselves to be slaves to a pagan power. But God's going to work with that. He wants you to get this. I'm going to tie it here together in a moment. It's going to hurt a little bit, but I promise you, you will heal. Okay? So here's what's going on. They are sending a gift to the king, which will happen several times in the uh, sad, sad, but necessary life of Israel. A gift, God says, to his own leaders and own judges, that you are not to take. Sub point B, Deuteronomy 16, 18 and 19 teaches us something about gifts. Now, this is important. God, give me time with your people because they need to get this. When a gift is given to you, it's a test. When any any time somebody gives you something, it's going to test your character. It's going to expose you for where your weaknesses are. And therefore, particularly when it comes to leadership, they must never, ever be prone to bribes. Because bribes pervert judgment and they expose you in a ton of areas. Are y'all hearing me? Now, this can happen at the micro level, at the lay level, at the common level. People who want to get in a position to take advantage of you or to see certain aspects of your character, they'll give you something. This is why all of the sober wise men of the scripture from Abraham all the way to Samuel said, nah, that's okay. I don't want it because they knew that when an enemy gave you a gift, that gift was to blind you to what he wanted to do to you. Are y'all hearing me? Judges and officers shall not make thee in all, shall make thee in all your gates, which the Lord your God gives thee throughout your tribes. And they shall judge the people with just judgment. This is where Ehud is. He's a judge now. Listen to what it says in verse 19. You shall not twist judgment. You shall not respect persons. Neither take a what? For a gift doth what? Blind the eyes of the wise. Now the term wise does not mean that he's intrinsically wise. It means that he's occupying a position where he's supposed to be wise. 
But because he's sucked into the bribe, he's proving himself not wise at all. Are y'all hearing me? If he was wise, he would insulate himself from bribes. He would know that God is able to take care of him. And he does not have to be lifted up by his enemies. This is what I loved about Abraham when he went in to deliver Lot and he saved all of the lands around Sodom and Gomorrah and they wanted to bring and give him a gift. He said, no way, you're not going to tell anybody that you helped me deliver the people when God alone was the one who helped me deliver the people. It's a character thing. It's a character thing. Are you hearing me? It's a very important character thing. The, uh, the gift blinds the eyes of the wise and it perverts the words of the what? Because once you're under payment of people, you are held in their retainer and they're expecting you to show favors and justice has to be blind in that context. Am I making sense? But here I'm showing you that there's a mirror being lifted up here. It's a mirror because Eglon is really a picture of Israel. Y'all with me? See, as the leaders, so are the people. So Eklon becomes a picture of the nation of Israel. And how do I know? Because they're just as glad as can be to go give the gift. Watch how the text tells us. Go back to our text and look at this. Notice what it says over in verse uh, verse, uh, 17. And he brought the present unto Eglon, king of Moab, and Eglon was a very fat man. Let me just go back and, uh, yeah, and uh, go back to verse 15, the latter part. I just want to emphasize this. And by him, the children of Israel did what? Sent a present unto Eglon. There it is. So now, now uh, Ehud is going to go with the present because Ehud has something else on his mind. But what he's doing now is representing a compromised people a people that is used to being in bondage to a pagan king who hates God. And they don't mind stripping all of the blessings that God has given them to pay him because they're still idolaters. Will you hear me? When God turns your heart from your captivity and you recognize you no longer are the slave of that particular sin entity, you don't owe that sin entity anything. This is the New Testament. You, sin shall not have dominion over you because you're not under law. You are under grace. You are not a debtor to that false God. Now, when you know you're not a debtor, guess what? You're going to quit paying him. But if you quit paying him, you're back at square one. Do you know what that is? You're in the good fight of faith. See what I'm getting at? So a lot of times when people's faith are diminished, They don't want to fight, so they'd rather pay. This is, look, hurry up and think about right now, 21st century, the struggles we're in in our culture where men and women don't want to fight. They just want to pay. We'll just pay. We'll just pay. We'll just pay. We'll just pay. I don't want to fight. We'll just pay. And it indicates a weakness in our faith. Am I making sense? Even though we know these leaders and rulers are wrong, their principles are wrong, their ideas are wrong, they're creating more bondage for us. But we don't want to fight for our identity and our freedom because we're used to the pseudo freedom they give us, which is no freedom at all. And it's heinous crime in the sight of God when we act like that king is our Lord, that king is our maker, that king is our rule. 
One of the reasons we give our offerings in the church is because we believe that King Jesus is worthy of that kind of domain honor for the spread of the gospel. Is that true? But we don't give gifts to pagan gods. Do you understand what I'm teaching here? This is very important to know. So Israel actually is still pretty much in the dark and given over to concession to the pagan. This is where Jesus was in the gospel of Matthew when those wicked rulers who were loving a relationship with the Roman Empire came to Jesus and said, Jesus, who should we worship? Caesar or God. Remember that? Because they had already bowed the knee to Caesar. Did they not say, we have one king and his name is what? Caesar. This here is the corollary to that. So in our culture, you and I are being challenged every day as to whether or not we know and love and will obey the true and the living God and will wait for him to deliver us from our troubles. I think I'm making my point. But now what I love about what God is doing, if you can hold on, is God knows how to take our weakness and advance his purposes. He is not saying to you and me that we shall continue in sin, that grace may abound. God doesn't violate his own, own laws. But God certainly knows that when his people start crying out on him, deliverance is incremental. Did y'all hear what I just stated? Deliverance is incremental. Some of y'all bobbing your head real good. You get it, don't you? You know that you will have a number of levels of struggle going on in your life. And God has to, to deliver you layer by layer by layer. And I'm happy for some deliverance, even if I still look pretty toe up and pretty much in bondage. If I can just make some advancement in my walk in Christ, if I can make just a little bit of headway, then I know God is showing up. I know he's showing up. If he can help me abstain for two days, then he might help me abstain for four days. And after a while, it'll be a week and a month. I can wait on God to give me the grace to be better next month than I am right now. This is how you wait on God. I told you it's a process. I told you it's a process. So Israel looks bad with the exception of the people that are walking by faith because they didn't pray and they're seeing God move. We got a judge now who has emerged to try to handle our deliverance. And he has now gone up to the king in our behalf. Wonder what's going to happen. And you and I know if we're following the rhythm of relationship, we go from redemption to rebellion to repercussions to repentance. And that's where we are right now. And God's working out our repentance in the person of Ehud who points to Christ for us. Because our repentance is a person. Did you know that? It's not only a process of redemption in the totality of what Christ does for us at the cross, but it's a person. It's Christ himself. The reason God turns me is because Jesus ran a secret errand. This is why all through his ministry, he said, be quiet. Don't say a thing. This is why the Bible says if the princes of this world had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. This is why the Bible says unto you, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to those that are without, all this stuff is done in mysteries. This is why it says the natural man cannot understand the things of the spirit. Only those who are given a spiritual mind can comprehend the mystery of the cross work of Jesus. Are y'all hearing me? And, and, and what I am saying is easier said than done because the 11 disciples are minusing Judas because he was a complete fraud. But the 11 disciples, they often didn't understand the mystery either. Y'all got that? 
So walk with me up to this king that I'm going to talk about for a little bit because he's a mirror to us. We need to understand who he is and understand that Ehud, who is the judge, is going up with a few men. He is going up with a few men. And that's a picture of the disciples in their ministry with Jesus. But those few men do not know what Ehud knows. See, like they had their own agenda and Ehud had his own plan. Ehud understood the savior motif. He understood that God doesn't save by many, but by few. And on that note, we will close out today's broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand, the ministry of Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. If you have questions about our broadcast, maybe you would like to spend some time with us worshiping the Lord. We would love to see you. You can get all of that information and reach out to us through our website at grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Listen to past sermons as well as guest preachers. Again, at our website, grace-bible.com. We'll even let you have any of the notes, sermon notes, that are available from these sermons as well. Again, there's an awful lot of resource material available at our website, grace-bible.com. If you'd like to reach out to us by phone, our number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. Sunday services here at the church are at 1030. Friday evening Bible study is at 6.30, Tuesday prayer and Bible study again at 6.30, directions and information again at our website grace-bible.com or by calling 510-886-9782. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with this ministry as we reach out to the Bay Area and the world (laughs) on the World Wide Web? We do so because we are linking arms with other listeners such as yourself. This is a listener-supported ministry. Your gifts, no matter the size and no matter the volume, are great help as we continue this ministry called Way of Grace. Consider that as you reach out to us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.